Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6 and meet me at verse 5. We're going to read through verse 5 and 6. Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 6. I want to thank everybody in the building today. Thank everybody online, everyone watching the replay. And the word of the Lord says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Today I want to talk about a message that I'm titling, I Choose You. Somebody say, I choose you. you. Say it again like you mean it. I choose you. you. Now, humanity, you and I, were born completely out of control. We were born with evil intentions. You were born with evil motives. You were born into sin. You were born with evil, wicked, Thoughts, you were an abomination unto God. You were full of sin. You were disconnected from God. You only wanted to do things bad. You only wanted to cause trouble. This is who you were. You were evil. You were unappealing. You were despicable. And when you were born, you were born. I know we like to say children are born very innocent. Look at that innocent little baby. No, that child was born into sin with evil in his heart or her heart. The child was born to cause chaos. The child was born to hurt and harm. I always said of my kids, if they had the strength when they were little, If they had the strength, they probably would really, really hurt me. I mean, have you ever, those of you who had children, you ever got hit with one of their bottles? They just swing their bottle? If if it was a hammer or something that they could swing, they would definitely swing that right at you. Uh, Children, uh, a lot of times, that's why you have to teach them as good parents, children a lot of times want to punch you as the parent. And we don't allow that at all. At all. And I wish somebody would in my house try to run up on me, okay? I got something for them right now. But when they were little, when they were little, they tried it. You had to get on them right away. And now what's crazy is we see children being allowed to do that now and parents getting beat up by their children because they allowed it. This is how wicked we were. We were born this way. And God was extremely grieved. And very sorry. Matter of fact, he regretted even creating humanity. God saw how wicked and evil humanity was and how entirely their thoughts were consumed with evil that it broke his heart. And he said, I regret even making man. Now, one of the things that's very interesting about our father. Well, about God, I'll say it this way. One of the things that's very interesting about God is he could have and 
probably should have just completely wiped all of us out and said, I'm done. I, I tried. It didn't work. They're evil. They're wicked. I regret even creating them. They're breaking my heart. I'm just going to wipe them all out and never again start over. I'm going to do something totally different. But that's not how God thinks. Let's go to Ephesians chapter one and let's look at verses four through six. Ephesians chapter one, verses four through six. The apostle Paul tells us, just as he chose us in him, watch this, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Now watch this. Before the foundation of the world, God chose us and predestined us to adoption. Somebody shout adoption. adoption. Somebody shout adoption. adoption. He predestined us. That means he prepared beforehand before the foundation of the world. Now notice, before the world was even established and founded, God predestined you and I to be adopted into his family. Now that was before he created us. So we see in Genesis, he created us and he regretted creating us. We're wicked, evil. We broke his heart. I think he should have just wiped us out. But before the foundation of the world, so before he even created us, he set up a plan because he knew that we would be wicked and evil. And he set up a plan to adopt us into his family. Somebody shout adoption. adoption. Now let's look at Galatians chapter four, verses four through six. Galatians chapter four, verses four through six. Paul tells us here, the apostle, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, Born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now somebody shall receive the adoption. adoption. Now the word receive means to accept something that is offered. To accept something that is offered, God planned beforehand for us to receive the adoption. Now let's look at Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17. Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17. For you did not receive, you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again the fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. Somebody shout adoption. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and the children and heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Now notice, Paul tells us here in Romans as well, that we are to receive the adoption. And when we receive the adoption, we can cry out, Abba, Father. Somebody say, Abba, Father. Abba. Say it again, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Say it one more time, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. 
Abba Father simply means I have a daddy. I have a daddy. Now, contrary to popular belief and the greatest misconception that we hear is, and we hear it a lot from our politicians, that we're all God's children. They'll get up every election, especially in the presidential election. Well, we're all God's children. And then you might hear from some other people, well, each and every one of us are God's children. And I submit to you the error in that statement that we are not all God's children. Now, simply because God created us, we all have been created in his image. That does not mean we are all his children. And we're going to find this out if we take a look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. It says here, for you are all sons of God. Watch this through faith in Christ Jesus. So there is a prerequisite that there is a requirement that we are sons in God through faith. It requires faith in Christ Jesus. John chapter one, verse 12, John chapter one, verse 12 says, but as many as received him, notice we got to accept the offer as many as received him to them, who are them, those that have received them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. And so we are not all God's children. There is a distinction. There is a separation between who are God's children and who are not God's children. And the salvation process, listen to me now, the salvation process is the adoption process. The salvation process is the adoption process. I'll say it much, much simpler. Salvation is adoption. Salvation is adoption. And nothing can compete with the thrill of being adopted. Nothing can compete with the thrill of being adopted. God's unconditional love towards you and his, and his adoption of you reminds you that you are not naturally God's children. So he caused a process prepared beforehand a way for you to be a part of his family, and that is through adoption. Somebody say adoption. adoption. Now, one of the things that I am desiring, I was in a meeting here recently and I was pushing in this meeting. It was a lot of pastors in town and there were some civil leaders in town as well. And they gave me an opportunity to share in this meeting. And one of the things that I was really pushing the conversation to go towards was how we can change our laws in America to adopt a lot more simpler than they really are. I know a family right now who just adopted a beautiful young girl, took them four years. That's, that's, that's insane that it should take that long to adopt somebody. I believe I am a pro-life person. I believe in life. I want life for our children, 
But if we also want life for our children, we need to, to, to speed up the adoption process. Literally, it should only take about 72 hours. It shouldn't take long. We have all the technology necessary, everything available, everything ready to adopt as quickly as, as needs, adopting needs to take place. And in this meeting, I was pushing, we need to be talking about the adoption process. There are people that want to adopt, and it shouldn't take four years to adopt. It should be quick. Run somebody's social, and that's it. <laughs> Find out everything you need to know and give them a precious life. There are many people that can't have children on the earth. There are many people that are choosing abortion because they feel like they can't take care of the child. But if we can speed up the adoption process, as soon as that baby is delivered, boom, it's adopted it immediately. Glory to God. That child will have an opportunity to have life and life more abundantly. We've got to speed up the adoption process. And I was in this meeting saying, we need to be talking about adoption. I, by God's grace, the entire conversation changed in that meeting. And we started talking about what we can do uh, with laws and how we can talk to the House of Representative Senators about these adoption laws that should happen a lot quicker. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Now, what God didn't do is God didn't wait around. And wait four, five, six, seven years to present us adoption. When we were dead in our sin, God had already had an open invitation that said, I want to adopt you. I wrote some things down and I want to be very, very precise today. And this is why I'm reading from my notes. But adoption is God's grace gift toward us through salvation, and a demonstration of his deep love for us. Adoption is, is so important. It, it is so critical. When, uh, and, you know, let's just take you and I, and uh, we want to adopt someone, right? Well, what we would probably do is we'll probably look at how pretty they are or how handsome they are. Look at that pretty handsome little boy. And there are some ugly children, by the way, but I'll, I'll let that go. <laughs> we lie when we say that all children are, no, 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 not all of them. Not all of them look good, right? My kids did, though, praise God. And so, and we'll probably look and say, well, you know, what was their background? Where did they come from? And we'll probably do some investigation and we would look and say, well, what kind of potential do they have or what type of health situation are they in? And we would do all this background and then we would begin to select which child we want to adopt. But because of God's great love and because his selection process is not like ours, God loves the unappealing. God loves the disenfranchised. God loves those that don't look good, don't have the best background, came from a, a terrible lineage. God loves the one that needs him the most. And God says, I am giving an open invitation. 
And I'm saying to you, I want to adopt you. I'm not concerned about what race you are. I'm not concerned about what gender you are. I'm not concerned about what happened in your past. I'm not concerned about your current thoughts and situation. It's you that I want to adopt. It's you that I want to have. It's you that I want to bring in my family. And here's the cool thing about saving. See, we like to talk about the saving grace of God, which is so good because all of us were headed to hell, dead in our sins, going straight to the lake of fire, eternity in hell. All of us were headed that direction. And we we emphasize the saving grace of God. And that is so good. But I want to submit to you that if somebody were drowning and I had the means to help them and I jump out of the boat and I get in the water and I grab them and I bring them back to the boat, thank God I was able to save them. But God went further. And in that illustration, God said, not only am I saving you, here's what I want to do. I want to invite you to be in my family. I want to give you my last name. Glory to God. I want, I wrote this down. When we adopt, when God is adopting, he's saying, I want to give you my name, my place, and my privileges. Mm. To you, a son or daughter who is not a son or daughter by birth. When you, when God adopts, he's saying, I'm giving you my authority I'm giving you my place. I'm giving you my name. I'm giving you my benefits. I'm giving you my blessing. I'm giving you my privileges. I'm giving it all to you, not because you deserve it, not because you earned it, but because I am a good God and I'm a good father and I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter, and I am giving to you the privilege of calling me father. Come on, somebody say father. Somebody say daddy. This is what God wants. He wants us to call him father. So he made a way by which you and I can be a part of his family. Now, God loves everybody. You know that? I love everybody. Praise God. I love everybody. But if you mess with my children, your love or the love I have for you and the love I have for my children is going to be different. The love I have for my children is going to defend them in every way possible. And God sees you the exact same way. When you have been adopted, there is a distinction between you and other people. God says, that is my son. That is my daughter. And I'm going to I'm going to take the responsibility to care for them. I'm going to take the responsibility to care for you. I'm going to raise you as if you were my own. This is what God is saying. Our father, our daddy is saying, I'm going to raise you as if you were my own. Adoption is entirely an act of God's uncoerced love. We didn't bend his arm. We didn't twist. We didn't, you know, twist his neck. He literally says, 
I am a good father and I want my family to grow. And I want to adopt you into my family. Yes, I know you're wicked. Yes, I know you're evil. Yes, I know you may steal something. Yes, I know you don't always get it right. Yes, I know you make mistakes, but I want to adopt you into my family. Glory be to God. God is attracted to the unappealing. He's attracted to the unappealing. What you and I view as unappealing, he's attracted to it. And he wants you and I to call him daddy. As I was talking to a pastor friend of mine about this this week, he said, man, I I think I'm going to talk a little bit about this as well. I begin to think about the responsibility of a father. When you are a father, you are a leader. You're a leader of your family. You're a leader of your children. You are a leader. You are a protector. You want to defend and you want to stand in between anybody that comes in opposition to your children. And you are a provider. You provide. And I'm thinking about my aspect, my calling to be a father, and I'm correlating that to God's calling. I like that. God's calling as a father. there's, There's so much fatherlessness in our society. There's an attack on males, men, And there's an attack on fathers. And if you're the enemy, I know you're not, but if you're the enemy, man, that's exactly what you should be doing. If you can attack fathers on the earth, then you can paint a bad picture of how God's fatherhood is towards you. If you can make an attack fathers in the home, then people will begin to think God is a bad father. If your father was wicked and evil, they'll begin to think God is wicked and evil. And then people will then have a bad concept of what fatherhood is because maybe your father wasn't a good father. Or maybe you didn't know your father. Maybe you've never met your father. I know my mom, for example, my mom never, this is interesting to me, but my mom never met her father in her entire life. Matter of fact, she never met her mother either. She never met her biological mother or father her entire life. And they've, they've gone on, and she never did. She, she, she never met them. And so maybe you have never met your father, or maybe you have never met your, your origin, and you have this view. Or maybe your father was a bad father or abusive father, or, or, or your father uh, you know, did some things that a good father shouldn't do. That was all an attack on God. It really wasn't an attack on you. It was an attack on God because the enemy is trying to distort our image of God. But when we have an image of a good father and we see God throughout Scripture, and one of the names Jesus gave when he showed up in the Gospels was Father. He started calling God Father. That was, that was a name that they had never heard before. We don't call God Father. We call him God or Lord or, or, you know, all these other names, but not Father. Jesus said, no, I want you to call him Father. When you pray, you pray Father. I submit to you, when you're praying, address him as Daddy, Father. 
and not just God all the time. There's a different relationship when you know who your father is. And so God says, I want to lead you. I want to feed you. I want to protect you. And I want to provide for you. I think about my children. My children never, never are worried about waking up eating in the morning. Never. Now, they'll wake me up to go get something to eat, but they know that there's food in there and they're asking for food they shouldn't have for breakfast. And and they're not concerned. They're not concerned about, are we going to get a bath? They're not concerned uh, about... Are we, you know, do I have clothes to put on? They're not concerned about, is daddy going to take care of me today? Is daddy going to lead me today? Is daddy going to provide for me today? Is daddy going to be consistent today? Is, is daddy going to just be that leader of the home? They're never concerned about that. And I started thinking, if God is our father and he's adopted us, You've been adopted. When you confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believed in your heart, God raised it from the dead. You, be, you became saved and immediately you were adopted into the family of God. If God is our father, then why am I worried about things in the future? My children are not worried about anything in the future. Not one bit. They're not worried at all about it then why am I worried about it? If I've got a father who's adopted me willfully, uncoerced, adopted me, took on the responsibility to take care of me, took on the responsibility to provide, to lead, then why am I worried about the future? Why am I concerned about tomorrow? My children are not concerned about tomorrow at all. Why am I? God is a better father than I am to my children. Did you know that? God is a better father than I am to my children. And my children are never concerned about these things that you and I are concerned. Well, what should I do next? You know what my kids do when they don't know what to do? They come straight to me and ask me, what do I do? And here we are trying to figure out what it is that we are to do. And we could go straight to daddy and say, Father God, I don't know what to do here, but you know what to do. You've chosen to adopt me. You've taken on the responsibility to take care of me. You're the one that said you are going to provide. You told me you will supply all my need according to your riches and glory. Daddy, what should I do here? And he's a good father. James chapter one, verse five says, if you lack wisdom, you can ask of him and he will not just give you a little. He's going to liberally supply the wisdom that you need. God is a father. Say this. Say, God is my father and he loves me. Nothing can compare with knowing that when you were fatherless, helpless, and hopeless, God rescued you from the gutter of sin and made you his child. Nothing can compare 
with being rescued. I don't know if you've ever experienced adoption or if you've ever been involved in adoption or seen an adoption, but nothing can compare. When I'm thinking about my friends now that adopted a, a, a little girl, nothing can compare with the love that they have for this little girl. And nothing, when, when she's old enough to realize it, nothing can compare with how her life, the trajectory of her life, dramatically changed because of adoption. I don't know about you, but I know where I was headed before Jesus, my big brother, <laughs> gave his life for me, saved me, and I came into the realization that I need a savior. I was headed through to a path, <laughs> on a path that I don't even want to talk about in front of you. I kind of, one day I, one day I took a moment, and maybe you should too, take a moment and think about where you would be if you weren't adopted. Just, I did one day, I took a few minutes, and I, I know, I started naming, this is what I'll probably be doing, this is probably where I'll be living, this is how many illegitimate children I'll probably have, all that going on. I'll probably be this, that, and the third. But God rescued me. He adopted me and he adopted you. And then he took on the responsibility to be your father, to take care of you as if you were his own from birth. This is why I like 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. That word behold means take a look at, consider, wonder the manner, the type, the variety of love the Father has, watched this, bestowed. He's given you that we should be called children of God. Look at me. Jesus is no longer God's only son. You and I are sons and daughters. Jesus was God's only begotten son, but no longer, no longer. God has taken the responsibility and has caused you to be a child. And you have a daddy. You are not fatherless. You have a daddy, and guess what? He is rich. And not just in finances. It's rich in mercy, rich in wisdom, rich in goodness, rich in, rich in graciousness. He is rich. He is rich. He is rich. And you have access to excess. <clears throat> I hope you're getting this today. You have access. Your daddy is wealthy. And whatever you're lacking, because you're an adopted son or daughter, you have access to his excess. Glory to God. There should be no lack. One of what would be embarrassing to a rich father is for his children to be lacking. That's embarrassing to a rich father. My kids lack. My kid, you, you remember the prodigal son? When his son went out and wasted all his livelihood 
where riotous living, you remember all that? The father waited for him to return because watch this, I'm over here wealthy and my kid is lacking. I want him to come home so I can take care of him. Man, I, I want you guys to transfer your trust from yourself to your father. I, I do. I, I've, I've been doing it all week as I've been meditating. It's like, I trust you, Lord. I, I trust you, Father. Daddy, you, you've got this. Dad, I know that you're going to handle this. I, I know that you hold my future in your hands. I'm not concerned about what to do next because you hold the future in your hands. You know every hair on my head. My name is written in the palm of your hand. I, I got a couple of friends, they, they have tattoos and they got their children's name tattooed on why. They want to be reminded, they want their, their children to know, listen, I am here to help you. And this is what God has done for us. He says, I'm treating you like I would treat Jesus. Think about that for a second. Jesus never did anything wrong. Jesus never missed a mark, made a mistake, never did. Not one thing wrong. And God, the Father, wants to treat you the same way he treats Jesus. You have the same rights, privileges, benefits, access to everything that God has made available for you. Healing has been made available for you. You have access to healing. Creativity has made, been made available. Wisdom has been made available to you. You have access because God is your father and he loves you. An understanding of, of who you are in Christ, an understanding of who you are in his family will cause you to experience true life. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www truelifefc.org You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you and remember to love, learn, live and lead.